0: Welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the book of Daniel. Today is study number five of Daniel chapter three. We're going to read, beginning in Daniel 3, verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Well, I'll stop reading there. Now, we've been looking at um, this historical event for the last few studies. And we've seen that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are types and figures of God's elect. They give evidence themselves of being God's elect, but the three young men represent all of God's elect during the time of the Great Tribulation that took place at the beginning of the end of the world. The the end of the world stage began May 21, 1988, that started the Great Tribulation period. And that was the time of Satan's uh, rising up out of the bottomless pit, it was the time that he began to rule as the beast over the churches and congregations of the world and over the world in a, in a far greater way than he had ever ruled before. And so, during this time in Babylon, the uh, king Nebuchadnezzar uh, makes a golden image and commands that all bow down and worship. And Nebuchadnezzar is a type of Satan, again, that has tremendous rule over all nations and over the corporate church. But here we see with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his rule has a limitation. He demands worship and that all bow down, including God's elect, but God's elect cannot do it, because God has given them a new heart and a new spirit, and, and therefore they refuse. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll look at in this study, I hope, but if not, then in the next study, the two options that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have, and, and which they plainly tell the king uh, there there is the option Of God delivering them. And the second option. Is that God will not deliver them. But in either case. They will not bow down and worship. We'll hopefully look at that. Uh, But we began to talk about. In our last study. That this was happening. We read in verse 15. The language here is that. It is an hour. It says at the end of verse 15 in Daniel 3, But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And we saw that the hour identifies with the Great Tribulation. For instance, in the parable of the... uh, Vineyard in Matthew chapter 20, a householder hires laborers and he hires them at, at three hour intervals, at third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour. But the pattern is broken when he goes out at the eleventh hour and he hires some that were standing idle. It says in Verse 6 of Matthew 20, And about the eleventh hour he went out, and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. So the last group hired at the eleventh hour only worked one hour, and that fits with other information. Uh, we read that uh, Jesus says they're not twelve hours in a day. So the work day was twelve hours in length, and it would have been from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. These men were hired at 5 p.m. They worked until 6 p.m., one hour. Then the work day concluded. And the work day here is pointing to the day of salvation. And and there was a much longer period that um, laborers were hired, The the first 11 hours that would tie into the uh, church age. The church age uh continued for nineteen hundred and fifty five years and and so that was um the majority, the vast majority of the overall day of salvation, but God had a plan at the very end to save a great multitude. And he did it during the little season of great tribulation which lasted, uh, the great tribulation 23 years, but even within that, only about 17 years was God saving this great multitude. And that was the last hour. And, and, and notice it does say here in this parable in verse 12 saying these last have wrought but one hour. There are no workers coming to work in the thirteenth hour or fourteenth hour. No one works in the night. That that was uh, Christ's point in John chapter 9, in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. That, that is... There's a day of salvation, then comes judgment day, which is likened to the night. You cannot perform works of salvation, that would be the work of Christ, when it is night. No man, the Lord Jesus, can work when it's night. And and so uh, the 11th to the 12th hour was the last hour of work to be performed in the vineyard, and the vineyard is where the fruit grows, and and remember God the husbandman in James 5, verse 7, that verse tells us that he uh, has long patience waiting for the precious fruit of the earth until he received the early and latter rain. The latter rain fell simultaneous with the great tribulation, the second part, and once The Great Tribulation concluded that last hour the rain stopped falling because it had accomplished its purpose in bringing forth the fruit. No more rain, no more fruit, no more time to work. The the work day finished and concluded. But for our purpose, Daniel 3 mentions the same hour... And that reference is to the hour of great tribulation. And concerning that hour, we read something very interesting in Mark 13. I'll, I'll start reading in verse 8. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles, these are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Now where we, where Jesus says for my sake, we can understand for the word's sake. It, it's one and the same. And the gospel must first be published among all nations, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up. Take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour. That speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death and he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. In this passage God is speaking of that hour and when he signals out, um, isolates an hour like that, it, it points to the great tribulation period. And what does he say? When you come to this hour, do not, um, take thought beforehand or premeditate what ye will say. And that is, um, just an amazing statement regarding the Bible, because God everywhere in the Bible, or in many places, encourages his people to study, to meditate upon these things, uh, to be able to give answer. We're, we're told to investigate, to check it out, uh, to make sure of what you will say. And, and that's why this stands out so much. Take no thought beforehand what you will speak, neither do ye premeditate. That is before that hour, before the great tribulation. And we wonder, well, why, why would God tell his people not uh, to think Beforehand, and not to meditate or, or to ponder the scriptures in order to prepare their speech, the things they will say. Uh, he, uh, you know, uh, God um, definitely wants his people to speak knowledgeably. He wants them to be able to declare the word of God based on study, but. There's one exception to that, and that is all the study, all the premeditation that went on during the church age as theologians and pastors and, and God's elect. Went to the Bible, studied the Bible, but the Bible tells us the things they were studying regarding the end the Great Tribulation, which begins the end stage, and Judgment Day itself, were sealed up and closed to their understanding. They they had no ability to break the seal. There There was no power. They had no authority to open the book that had been sealed, the Bible, because God sealed it, until the time of the end. And so, no matter how diligent, how studious, how faithful uh, a reader, a student of the Bible was throughout the church age, and, and that was century after century after century, that, that God's people came and studied um, chapters like Matthew 24 or Mark 13 or the book of Revelation No matter how much they studied, how much they prayed, asking God for wisdom, it it just didn't matter. Because God had determined to seal that information up. They could have some understanding, but it was partial, as though they saw through a glass darkly. And the, the true understanding... The, the right and proper understanding simply would not come until the time of the end. And so, God says here, don't think ahead of time, nor premeditate, but, in Mark 13, 11, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye. And there is the reference to the plain statement, actually, that is a commentary on Daniel 12, where God says in verse 4, and and then once again later in the chapter, seal up the word till the time of the end. And the implication is that at the time of the end, it will be unsealed. And actually it does say in Daniel 12, And, you know, we haven't read these things for a while. And with the word of God, if you don't go over and go over it, you forget it. In Daniel 12 verse four, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. You see, it is stated there. Not directly, but the implication is clear. The Bible is sealed till the time of the end. And then the seals are taken off. And when the seals are taken off, knowledge increases. Greater understanding is granted to the people of God. Or it's given to the people of God, which is what Mark 13 says. 11 is saying, Whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. And we've talked about this before, but of course the the obvious question is, well, how is that possible? That God's elect will be given knowledge understanding, during that hour, the last hour, the Great Tribulation, and they will speak, which is always the natural conclusion or natural reaction of a child of God when he learns something. We we learn things from the Bible. We don't keep it to ourself. We don't hold it back and uh, just the individual... And say, oh, what a wonderful thing I just learned from the Bible, and it's all mine. It's all for me and nobody else. No, that's not the nature of the child of God. And God would give some truth or understanding of the scripture to a person over here, but then he he wants all to um likewise have this knowledge to hear this new truth this this information that's coming forth from the Bible, so he would have that individual tell others and and that's why the idea one of the reasons that some people uh have come up with and they ha they haven't found it on the pages of the bible they've just sort of drawing their own conclusion, there's not to be teachers anymore. Well, anytime someone learns something from the Bible and shares it, they're teaching. It, you don't have to officially say, well, now I'm teaching in order to teach. It, it's just the sharing of truth. And it, one believer sees something, shares it, and another believer then gains knowledge. They have been taught and and so that is not to be hindered or or uh held back that would be very selfish well now the only thing that could result from that is that each one is to just have their own truth and knowledge and understanding and not care about anyone else whether they uh also are experiencing the same kind of understanding no God tells us here that whatever is given you, in this case, in that hour of the great tribulation, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. And again, we wonder, how can we speak, yet we not speak, but the Holy Spirit? And especially, it gets more complicated, or more difficult, once uh, we understand or realize that God has completed the Bible and will not break the barrier of the supernatural, he has constrained himself not to speak since the Bible was completed by the end of the first century A.D. Now you can see the, the problem that theologians would have had throughout history, and anyone would have, reading this verse, that God is speaking, of the end of time, during the great tribulation, that hour, and he says, that he will give, information, and it must be biblical information, it wouldn't be any other kind, he will give information, that his people are to speak, and yet, they are not the ones speaking, but the Holy Ghost is speaking. And the only answer is what we read in First Corinthians chapter 2. And this answer comes through comparison of Scripture, Scripture with Scripture. And what do we find? That the Bible tells us, it says in First Corinthians 2, verse 12, Now we have received, not the spirit of the world but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. There again, God giving information is what's in view. God giving truth. Then in verse 13, tells us how God gives us truth, which things also we speak. And that matches Mark 13:11. This, that will be given you in that hour, that speak ye. Okay, so we find agreement here, which things also we speak, it comes out of our mouth, human beings, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with Spiritual. And the teaching of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13 is that when we follow the biblical guideline, the Bible's methodology for coming to truth, which is scripture with scripture and making sure all conclusions harmonize with the whole of the scripture, the whole Bible, then it is not ourselves that, that have come up with that truth. It is not ourselves out of our own minds that have defined it and determined that information. But it's God, the Holy Spirit. All we do is speak it. We proclaim it. And when we do so, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is said to teach. And going back to Mark thirteen, eleven, um whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, that is, God's people will follow the proper methodology of comparing Scripture with Scripture. They'll search the Bible, search the Bible, search the Bible and and check out each word. And going here to there, and as they do so, the Holy Ghost will reveal truth to them that they will speak, and once they speak it or declare it, for all intents and purposes, it is not they themselves that are speaking, but the Holy Ghost, because it's the Holy Ghost truth. It's the Holy Ghost that it's teaching these things as long as the proper methodology has been followed. So God, the Holy Spirit, teaches in that hour, the last hour of Great Tribulation. And and notice here the context of Mark 13 Um, It says, Brother shall betray the brother to death, the father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And we were looking in our last study at Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew 10, which has much of the same information as Matthew 24. Large passages here identify with the Great Tribulation because it's saying the same thing. For instance, in Matthew 10, verse 17, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. And when we compare that to... Mark 13, verse 9, But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. It's in some places word for word. Then, verse 19, But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father, which speaketh in you. So we we can see again, God takes full responsibility for the information that comes forth from the Bible during that last hour of Great Tribulation. And, uh, you know, we we know that some of the information that came forth, because we've already gone through that last hour. It was May 21, 1988 through May 21, 2011, 23 exact years of Great Tribulation. And during that time, God brought forth information regarding his true salvation program that were saved by the faith of Christ. He brought forth information concerning Christ Christ actually making payment for sins at the foundation of the world and not making payment on the cross in time in 33 AD. He brought forth information regarding the true payment for sin, which is annihilation and not suffering forever in a place called hell. God brought forth the true information of the end of the church age and and his command to his people to come out, which was a mechanism designed to separate wheat from tares. And God brought forth the true information regarding the end of the Great Tribulation and the beginning of Judgment Day on May 21, 2011. That, that's just some of the information that came forth. And God here, and in Mark thirteen eleven stresses... He stresses this point, that it is not ye that speak. That is, if the proper methodology was followed of comparison of Scripture, it is not then the individual believer that is speaking these things, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. So really, when people said of Mr. Camping, And of others that proclaim these things, these truths concerning the end of the church age and the date of May 21 and, and, and when they reviled and ridiculed and mocked and spoke evil of them. And remember in the Bible, the word blaspheme is a word that means speak evil of and when they spoke evil of these things they were blaspheming that which came forth from the spirit of god the holy spirit that spoke in that hour and so we're we're going to consider that in a minute we'll we'll consider if the sin of blaspheming the holy spirit were committed in the time of the great tribulation but first you know people would quickly say well we we were just speaking against the man we were speaking against an individual be it it's just his teaching that was wrong his methodology was wrong he's a spiritualizer or something like that well then you have to go and listen to the studies and and i have again and again and again and i've continued to listen to them for years now after may 212011 and when you listen to the studies just over 99% of the time you from time to time you do find a mistake or an error but it usually Not all that significant. But when you listen, you'll find Scripture compared to Scripture. Scripture with Scripture. Here a little, there a little. You'll find it with God's people that proclaim these truths during the Great Tribulation. They would start out in Matthew, and they say, let's turn over to Mark. And they would follow a word. And exactly what 1 Corinthians 2 directs when it says, Scripture with Scripture, and the Holy Ghost teaches. In order for someone to be justified in their condemnation, in their mockery, to be justified, well, I don't know if anyone's ever justified in mockery, but to be justified in their criticism, and, and in their charge that, that, uh, this teaching was coming from Satan, then they would have to find in the teaching itself, not in the conclusion, but they would have to find the error where scripture was not compared with scripture, where, uh, statements were made based on dreams or visions or tongues based on um, uh, referring to uh, a past theologian, uh, based on a confession or a creed, based on something outside of the God-ordained methodology of comparing Scripture with Scripture in order to reach proper conclusions. But no one ever does that. No one ever says that. No one has found that fault or that error. And again, I'll use Mr. Camping because he was largely the one that God utilized, the, the, the mouthpiece, the one speaking, as Family Radio reached uh, practically the whole world during that last hour of Great Tribulation. And of course, they could only do that at God's bidding by the Lord granting a platform uh, that that could broadcast to all the world in that way. And when you listen to Mr. Camping's teachings, you find that they were within the Bible framework. They were within the constraints the Bible places upon everyone that comes to it to teach. You must follow this guideline. Scripture with Scripture. And, no, you cannot say, you cannot say, well, the conclusion. I look at the conclusion. May 21, 2011, the conclusion is all wrong because it didn't happen. Therefore, he's a false prophet. Therefore, it was heresy. That isn't correct. You. How can someone be a false prophet or a heretic... When they were following the biblical methodology, the Bible's own hermeneutic for arriving at truth very carefully. And I don't think there's a person that has ever lived that I know or that I know of that followed that biblical hermeneutic of being oh so careful to... Compare Scripture with Scripture more than Mr. Camping. Uh, he actually taught many others. This is how you study the Bible. Because the Bible says that's how you study the Bible. And and, and so there's no one who can pull up a study from 2008 or 2009 or, or whatever time prior to May 21 and lay it out. And, and there are books written, many books by Mr. Camping or lay out one of his books and say, see here, here in, in this place, he went astray and he did not follow the biblical, the correct biblical hermeneutic of comparing scripture with scripture. No, you don't find that. What you find is people who say nothing happened therefore therefore they they actually um, they they condemn even the methodology when they don't go to the Bible to find out if it were the correct methodology and if they would, they would see that yes, he was using the correct methodology and and so of course, the question is if the correct methodology was used. And it was in the time of that hour when God indicated he would bring forth much truth and much for, much truth was brought forth. How then did Mr. Camping reach a wrong conclusion that May 21, 2011 was judgment day? And of course, further study using the, the same biblical methodology of comparing scripture with scripture shows that it it wasn't a wrong conclusion it it was a correct conclusion that it was indeed judgment day but you know we we can uh, talk about that for a while but i i want to first get into what is being uh implied here and and that is that god says the holy spirit will speak in a special way. You know, God doesn't tell us, for instance, speak uh, what is given you throughout the first 11 hours of the day of salvation throughout the church age, and that the Holy Ghost will speak, although, of course, any time the Bible is correctly taught, the Holy Spirit is teaching. But God emphasizes he sets apart the last hour, the last hour of the little season of Great Tribulation as a time when especially the Holy Spirit is speaking because it is at that time he removes the seals and and opens up the scriptures, the much information that has been sealed until the time of the end. And so... Um as information comes forth, those doctrines I mentioned a little while ago and 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 others, as that information comes forth actually is so much information that it's likened to a new covenant in Hebrews chapter eight. And so we have the Old Testament when God gave divine revelation, but it was limited it was historical parables just many things were unclear then we have god bringing um the new testament information the the divine revelation he gave to the writers of the gospels uh, to men like peter and john and the apostle paul and then the lord completed the bible giving more information the new testament Interpreted many things of the Old Testament. We can see types and figures of the sacrifices and, and so on. But still, many things were unclear. And that was according to God's plan. God had a plan in place to reveal truth, reveal himself, reveal his salvation program, his judgment program, and and various doctrine, and God did not give it all at once to the Old Testament saints. He did not give it all at once, even to the New Testament Church Age saints. They had the whole Bible, but they were limited in their ability to understand it. He reserved much information. Not he would uh, no, the Lord would not break the barrier of the supernatural he would not add a word to the bible 66 books it, it, it would not be additional revelation in that sense nothing written down nothing given through a dream or a vision or a tongue to a prophet that they now would say as part of the bible nothing of the kind nothing like that at all But what God would do to complete the Revelation would be to utilize a methodology he writes about of comparing Scripture, and when the people of God do so in the proper time and season, the little season of Great Tribulation, then the Lord opened up the information and they began to see Um, just tremendous truths, it was as though it were a new covenant. It was so much revelation. And when they were given these things, what does the Bible say? Speak them. And therefore, they proclaimed them to the world. They taught the end of the church age. They taught the approaching day of judgment. And the whole world heard. And so, in that context, God speaks here in Matthew 10 of brother, delivering up brother. He says in verse 22, And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. No question that this is speaking of the great tribulation. it, It matches Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And... Then it says in verse 24, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household now hold it a second god is speaking of bringing forth information the holy spirit will speak he's indicating here that there will be hostility towards it and then he likens or he he reminds us that we are only disciples we're servants and then he points to the Lord and tells us, If they have called the master of the house Beazel bub how much more shall they call them of his household? Now, notice it goes on to say in verse 26, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. And that would fit in or tie in with the opening of the Scriptures. The things once sealed are now revealed. They're now known. In verse 27, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So again, we have the the same formula. God reveals, speak it. But when you do, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks. But this also is said in the context of reminding us that they called Christ Beelzebub. They called the master of the house Beelzebub. And if we turn over to Mark chapter 3, it says in verse 22, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils, Casteth he out devils? And he called them unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. This is the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And it was committed by who? By those few Pharisees and scribes or, or chief priests that said Christ had Beelzebub? No, no. It It, it wasn't. Yes, they they were doing it, they said those things, but notice it goes on to say in verse 30, God tells us the reason for the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, because they said he hath an unclean spirit, they said, and we can understand that, not to be certain individuals, but to be the leaders of Israel as a whole, or, or the, actually the corporate institution, the corporate body of national Israel, and the corporate body was led by Pharisees, scribes, chief priests, and, 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 and people like that. But still, they were representative of the overall system the synagogue system, the system of Israel that God identified with, that they were his people corporately for many centuries. And now it's getting to the point. It's getting to the point when they are going to kill the Lord Jesus Christ And and when Christ is hanging on the cross, the veil of the temple will be rent in twain, and God will divorce national Israel. He'll be finished with them. And when God is finished with Israel, will there ever be forgiveness or salvation in their system of worship ever again? And the answer is no. No. You see, the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit is a corporate sin that Israel committed. And this sin comes into view at certain junctures, certain points, extremely important points in history, when God is about to make a change in program. And God was about to make the change in program when he introduced the Lord Jesus Christ into the world And, and Christ was witnessing all sorts of new information to them. They were receiving an abundance of revelation. Israel was through the Lord Jesus Christ, through later his disciples, and they rejected it. They refused it. They turned down this information and they they labeled it as coming from Beelzebub, that it was from Satan and not from God. You see, that's the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, committed by the corporate body, Israel. And as a result, there is the condemnation of God, where they are cut off and, and never again. Will there be forgiveness of sins within that system? Within the synagogue? Within Israel? And, and once God cut them off? And we can prove this. So just ask yourself the question. If someone goes to a synagogue today and they hear the Old Testament, it's part of the Bible. Or, or maybe not today is a good example, but during, during the day of salvation, Could God save them there? No. No. He could have that same individual walking down the street, receive a track from a source other than the synagogue, and then that person could read and be drawn out, yes, in the day of salvation, but they could not be saved through the preaching of the rabbi, through the reading of the Old Testament scriptures, because... The Lord Jesus cursed the fig tree, which is um, synonymous with the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There is not to be forgiveness of sins forever, forever, just like no fruit shall grow on thee this tree from henceforward. And that was the judgment of God because they blasphemed, not Jesus. Very interestingly, we're told that God could have said they they blasphemed Jesus, they were saying this of him, but instead he identifies it as the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of, that was bringing forth this information through Jesus. They would continue to bring it forth through disciples, through the apostles, until the New Testament was completed. They blaspheme that um, mode, that, that delivery of divine revelation the Spirit was bringing, and they said it was of Satan, and therefore they were cut off. And there will be no more forgiveness within Israel. Now, we read in First Timothy, and I don't think we're going to have enough time to get into this as much as I would like, but in First Timothy, chapter 1, it says, well, first of all, the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Well, the Apostle Paul did something on par, something along the same lines as, as those scribes and Pharisees did to Jesus. He thought that this whole Christian movement was a heresy. If you think something's a heresy, well then who do you think it's from? Satan. You think Satan's behind it. So Paul, uh, admits, he confesses, I was a blasphemer. He who was before a blasphemer. Yet he found mercy and that, that shows us that an individual might think um, uh, evil, he, he might blaspheme Christ or or think something is of Satan, but that didn't stop the individual from experiencing forgiveness of sins. No, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a corporate sin only. That is, it's similar to in Jeremiah when it says, pray not for these people. And God said that not to mean the individuals and, and during the church age, some people, excuse me, during the um, uh, great tribulation, the end of the church age, some people would go to that verse and, and think, well, we're not to pray for people within the church. No, it didn't mean that. It meant for the work of the corporate body of the church. and And by the way. Maybe in our next study, we'll look at those kinds of verses because it all fits in with the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, why you would not pray for the corporate body. But a little further on in 1 Timothy 1, verse 19, it says, "...holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck." And the, the shipwreck in Acts 27 was a dramatic illustration of the end of the church age. The ship typified the church. And here, it's speaking of faith being made shipwreck. And then in verse 20, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan. And that's what God did with the corporate church. When he loosed Satan, he turned the church over to him, He delivered them up over to Satan. And why did God do that? Well, Hymenaeus and Alexander are really a a type of the church, the corporate body. And they were delivered to Satan. And, And the reason is given at the end of verse 20, that they may learn not to blaspheme. They may learn not to blaspheme. The corporate church was given over into the hands of Satan for its de- destruction in order that they learn not to blaspheme. In Revelation 13 in the chapter that describes the uh, the beast coming up out of the sea and that's Satan ascending to uh, a place of great rule during the Great Tribulation. We don't have time to go in this. I'll just read verse 6. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Well, uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Lord willing, in our next Bible study, we're going to pick this up and see what God has to say concerning the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit in that hour of the Great Tribulation. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.